Amen. Good morning. It's great to be here again and just gather together and remember this incredible day that we are celebrating. Amen. It's a day of victory. Can you say amen? Amen. The cross. This is life. This is life. The cross produces life. The cross is the greatest act of love in the history of mankind. You know, everybody, they take their history from it. They take their time from it. It's, it's, it's just an incredible act of God's love, an incredible expression of love like has never been before and will never be again. Dave read out the passage that I'm going to preach from, but before I do that, there's just two more passages I, I want to read from. Galatians 6.14 says this, this is Paul, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world was crucified to me and me to it. Now, when Paul says that, in those days, the cross was a shameful thing. The cross was hideous. It was for criminals. You would not want your son or your family or nobody would be boasting about a cross or anybody dying on it. I mean, men boast today about all sorts, their cars, who they are, what they've done, men and women, what we have. Paul says, no, I could boast. I could boast an awful lot what I've done for Jesus Christ, he said, but no, I'm going to boast in nothing but the cross. He was embracing something that was very shameful, something that never gave you a good reputation, something that would, it would, people would go, you know, make you look almost foolish for a man who was so intelligent and so wise, was embracing what looked like foolishness to the world. And yet he said, I'm, I'm going to boast in this cross. The reason he was boasting is because once you've had revelation of the cross, once you know what the cross is, you're happy to embrace it. You're happy to boast about it. In 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. And he was eloquent. And he was a gifted speaker. But he said, I don't want to put my eloquence... I don't want to preach this God, God, this, about this God or this cross from some intellectual, um, theological standpoint, although that would be good. No, I need the power of the Spirit to preach this cross because I want the power of the cross to be explained. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says this, and then we'll get to the message. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom, proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while, while I was with you, except Christ and him crucified. I came in weakness and with great fear and great trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith will not rest on, on human wisdom, but on God's power. Who was this who was crucified? We know it was Jesus Christ. And when we, we speak about him today, we're going to think of him being born of a virgin. He was only 33 years of age when he got nailed to that cross. And you could think about Jesus and just being human, but he was holy man and holy God. He wasn't just, didn't just come and live here for 33 years. He's been about for a very long time. 
It wasn't just a 33-year-old man hanging on this cross. This was the only begotten son who has always been, who has never been created. He came from eternity to eternity. He has no beginning and he has no end. This is not just a 33-year-old man in the flesh. This is the begotten son of God who says in John 17, 5, And now, Father, glorify me with the glory that we had before the world began. What on earth were they doing? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. A trillion years ago, and you're only tapping the iceberg, a God who has never, ever been created, but who has always been. It was the divine Son of God who was on that cross. Who is he? He's in this book. He's been about for a long time. He came from eternity. He was there in the beginning of creation. He was there before creation. So I don't want us just to look at the cross today and say that was him, 33-year-old man. I want to think who God put on that cross. He's all in the Bible. He's all through the Bible from start to finish. In fact, in Genesis... He's the seed of the woman in Exodus. He's the Passover lamb in Leviticus. He was the high priest in number. He's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he was the lawgiver. In Ruth, he was our kinsman. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's the prophet. In 1st, 2nd Kings and Chronicles, he's the reigning king. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the builder of broken lives. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our redeemer. In the Psalms, he's our shepherd. In the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In the Songs of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's a righteous branch. In Lamentation, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's a wheel within a wheel. In Daniel, he's the fourth man. In Hosea, he's faithful husband. In Joel, he's a baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's a great missionary. In Micah, he is a messenger. In Nahum, he's an avenger. In Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's saviour. In Haggai, he's the restorer. In Zephaniah, he's the fountain that has been opened. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the son of God. In John, he's the son of, of God. In Acts, He's the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he is justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he's the gifts of the Spirit. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the unsearchable riches that are in Christ Jesus. In Philippines, he's the God who supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, he's the Godhead. In Thessalonians, he's the coming king. In 1 Timothy, he's a mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's a great physician. In Peter, he's the chief shepherd. In 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he's the everlasting king. In Jude, he is the king of 10,000. In Revelation, he's the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He is 
the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. That's who died on the cross that day. That's who was sent to the cross that day. The soldiers just thought they were looking at it. Just a criminal, just another man. He was identified. He never had a nice grave. He wasn't rich. He was nailed with criminals. He was nailed with the most shameful. This is the king of glory. Hanging there. That's the seed of the woman. That's Noah's ark. That's Moses' rod. That's Paul's handkerchiefs. He's everywhere. That's who's hanging there. Not just a man, not just a story, not just a historical fact. This is God sent his son to die. We, do we still weep at that? Isaiah describes him in Isaiah 53 as being battered and bruised and marred more than any other man. The skin was off his back. They pulled out his beard. They put a bag over his head. They were punching him. All that I read out from Genesis to Revelation, that's who they're hitting. Not just Mary's son, but God's own son. Has always been. Battered and bruised. That's who he was. What was he achieving? One, he was about to take sin away. Hebrews 9, 26. Otherwise Christ would have to suffer many times since creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all in the accumulation of all ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. It was a place where man could come and be forgiven. You see, there was no sin until the law got put into place. There was no sin. The Ten Commandments revealed sin and locked mankind into a prison that they could never escape with, to a standard they could never achieve. See, our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. And God was going to be responsible. He said, I'm going to make a way back. And the first thing he said, I'm going to deal with the cross. I'm going to deal with the sins of the world. That anybody who calls on my name can be saved and forgiven. Have you forgotten about that word forgiven this morning? Have you forgotten how rotten you were? How bad you were? Have we just been, are we getting dressed up and we look good now? I'm telling you, sin is outrageous. It's evil, it's wicked, there's no escape for it. But if you come to the cross this morning, if you just look unto Jesus Christ, you're going to know about forgiveness. You're going to know about life. This is life. Being forgiven. My goodness, man. I I know we're British Pentecostals, but that's enough to get you on your seat and dance. When you know your own heart. When you know how black it was, when you know how wrong it was, when you, you've got a testimony, it's only for public consumption, then there's another one that's X-rated that nobody knows about. Does anybody know what I mean when you say, I am forgiven? Hallelujah. I'm forgiven. You know those things you won't talk about? Or is it just me? Yeah. Thank God there's power in the blood. It's a place where sin was going to get dealt with. 
Hallelujah. It was a place where Satan was going to get defeated, Colossians 2, 14 and 15, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's a place where Satan got defeated, where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, looked him in the eye and said, give me the keys back, give me the authority back. I'm disarming you, I'm dispowering you. And I'm going to get a group of people and I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail and I'm going to give them back power and authority and joy and peace and the Holy Ghost. You see, when God looked on this earth and the devil said, I've got it, he said, God said, no, I had a plan to, to have children. That plan is not going to be thought by you. So he disarmed the enemy. Do you know the enemy has no power over you anymore? Do you know he's no power? Do you know the Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion looking to see who he can devour? Do you remember Sunday? Do you know that lions, when they're about to kill their prey, do you know that they don't roar? They sneak up. I mean, I, I mean a lion's not going to go and kill a deer and go, just to let you know, ah, here I come. <laughs> no, it's going to sneak up. And the reason the devil needs to roar because he has no power to devour the church. He has no power over the Christian. He has no power over your family or your life. He's no power. So he has to intimidate. But there's another lion. There's a lion in the roar of the lamb of the lion of Judah. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, and you're at your weakest, he meets that lion's roar. Because when I am weak, then he is strong. Hallelujah. He's disarmed him. He's dispowered him. So he knows he can't get you. So he said, I'll try and intimidate you. I'll try and get you with fear. Try and get you with condemnation. I'll roar stuff at you. Because God said, I've disarmed you. It's a place where God was satisfied. When John said, behold, the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. God was satisfied with what Jesus done. So when we said yes to Jesus, when you stand in front of God, because of this cross, when you stand in front of God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? And you go, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? I'm sure you've got a record of how many times I've fasted and prayed and went to church in faithfulness and that. I'll say, yeah, I've got all that. Why should I let you in? And you'll say, well, I, I believed in your son, Jesus Christ. And then he will say, then you're my friend. And you're my friend. God was satisfied. Love was manifested. Greater love is no man than this that he lays down his life for his friend. Love was totally manifested that day on Calvary. Sin stopped having dominion over us and we had the power to say no to it. At that cross, there was all of a sudden at that cross, there was access to God. Access. Ephesians 2.18, for through him, we both have our access and one spirit to the Father. I don't know how many lambs have been slain or many animals were sacrificed from the beginning of time. A billion lambs may be sacrificed. 
See, we lived in a sanitized world where nobody wants to see blood. Nobody wants to see it. But in those days, they would come with their lambs, they'd put them on the altar. The lambs would be slain. And once a year, a priest would go in with a bell on them, put the bell on them to make sure he was still alive when he went into the Holy of Holies. All these rituals, all these stuff you had to do, year in, year out, all the rituals. One man walking into the presence of God, making atonement through all the sacrifices, blood everywhere, the smell of smoke. It wasn't nice. The altars were covered in blood. The altars were covered in fire and smoke. And year in and year out, billions and billions and billions, maybe lambs, millions of them being burnt, being slain. It was a picture of what was going to happen. And then John, the evangelist, pointed when he seen Jesus Christ. All those rituals, all those laws, all that what you had to do. Behold, John said, the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. He's going to get crucified. One lamb forever, for all mankind. You'll never need to come again with self-righteousness or works. You'll never need to be good enough. Jesus is going to take your sin. He's going to make access. He's going to magnify the law. He's going to do it all for you. And if you're in a court of law and you're found guilty, you're going to need a good lawyer. I want to tell you, you've got one. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. And he declares you not guilty, forgiven, come on, total access to the Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know you have access this morning to the King of Kings? You might not get it to the Queen. You might. Not many of us are noble enough. Not many of us will get into the important places of life. But what does it matter? They don't know what we know. We have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have access to the Father of Heaven, the Creator who created you. While we were still sinners, He died for us. Oh, friends, the cross, the cross, there's power in it. What an amazing place. Isn't that amazing when He was on that cross? As soon as He was on that cross and He said, it is finished. Know what it says in the reading that Pastor read out? When He said it is finished, at that moment, that very moment, the curtain and the temple was wrenched from top to bottom. It wasn't man ripping it, it was God. What a supernatural thing. That curtain was open and you have access. I mean, I'd love to have been in the temple that day and watched the curtain just ripping wide open. Access for everybody, every nation, every color, Gentile, black, white, every nation, anybody. Old and young, the lame, the sick, the broken, the dusted, the busted. wasn't just for the righteous. It was for all. All of a sudden, it was ripped in two and anybody could walk in. Listen to what Peter says. You were ransomed from the futility ways inherited from your forefathers. But you were ransomed not with perishable things such as silver and gold. I love that, do you? <laughs> what man puts value in? You know, not with perishable such as silver and gold. Don't take it with you. God will use it as asphalt for these roads. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like the Lamb of, a, Lamb of God, without blemish. But like in every day, in every day, it says here, as they were staring them at the cross. It's funny, it said some were rolling dice. 
they were rolling dice for these garments. It's no, it's no different today. There are people playing games at the cross. Oh, they want bits of Jesus. They want some of Jesus. They want the nice bits. They'll take this, they'll take that from them. Rolling dice for some of his garments, for some of his stuff. But no, this cross, I'll tell you what it meant, friend. It meant God says, no, don't play games at the cross. I want you. I want all of you. I want your will. I want everything. You see, in those days, friends, at the cross, when a man picked up a cross and he's getting punished, he knew, as soon as I pick this cross up and walk up to that hill, I am going to my own funeral. I'm going to my own death. And there was, it's just like today, they were playing games at the cross. Oh, I like that bit and I like that bit. And God says, it's like when you buy something and you read the terms and conditions. God goes, you better read this because I don't do deals. And you'll only be miserable if you take bits of me. No, I'll bless you because he's good. He's loving, he's kind. He said, but if you want the full benefits of this, then give me everything. And you'll feel the peace that you're looking for. You'll feel the joy you're looking for. You know, most of us, well, let me say me sometimes, when I'm feeling a bit low or feeling a bit this, it's usually not because of some great sin. It's usually because of my unsurrenderedness. I can't blame anybody. I want all of God. <clears throat> sometimes I don't want to give him all of me. Sometimes I want to be rebellious. Sometimes I want to fight. Sometimes I want to argue. Sometimes I, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. And God goes, you're just going to rob yourself. Go back, pick up your cross and follow me. He was mocked. Others acknowledged him. Verse 54. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? You're in the cross. There's blood, there's pain, there's suffering. And and what does it say at the third hour? I mean, the sun refused to shine. Creation, even you, the creator was being crucified and the sun said, I'm not shining on this. And the rocks gave a gunfire. They started to explode. Started to praise him. The earth was groaning. Creation was groaning. And when he said it's finished, people who were in graves started to wake up and pop out the graves. The power was so vast. The sun said, I'm not shining. The rock said, we're going to sing and start to explode. The the earth shook because the earth shook because it recognized its creator was dying on a cross. There's an explosion in rocks. The earth shook. The earth shook. The sun at midday refused to shine. It went blink. It went out. People who were dead came out and went down to the town. And people saw them and went, what are you doing here? It was so miraculous. It was so powerful. And that's what the cross does. If you come to the cross, you'll come out of your grave. You'll come out of your pain. You'll come out of your shame. You'll come out of your guilt. If you give them everything, you'll come alive. This is life. Hallelujah. This is life, hallelujah. One more minute. This is life. This is life. It's not the life out there. If I get this, I'll have life. If I go there, I'll get life. If I get him, if I get her, if I get the house, if I get the car, if I get the husband, if I get the children. No, this is life. 
and this is life more abundantly. You'll be happy married, you'll be happy single, because your will is not your own. You've surrendered your will to his. And if you do that, we are going to be the happiest people on earth. Oh, it's a struggle and it's a fight, but I'll tell you this, it's worth it. If you say yes, Lord, and maybe you need to do that this morning again, maybe you need to say yes, Lord, I'm struggling because I've not been surrendering lately. Your fear will be gone, your shame will be gone, your guilt will be gone. You'll get a song in your heart again. You'll be alive. How can you not be alive with God living in you? Think about it. Verse 54, the centurion, and this is the last bit, centurion, soldier, watched the whole scene, watched everything, as a witness, watching it all. And then he looked, and then he came to this conclusion, pointed to him, and said, surely, this is the son of God. You know, he's not there anymore. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. And one day, the, the last, he'll see the travail of his soul. And one day, the last one will come in. Maybe some child in a Sunday school. Maybe some drug addict on the street. Maybe somebody on a dying bed. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. And it'll be like, Father, the last one's coming in. And he'll look to the Father and he'll say, Father, I never lost one of them. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord God Almighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He won for you and for me. And he gives us invitation. Come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I will give you life. And you'll find nothing. You won't be satisfied. Once you've tasted them, you won't be satisfied with anything. You wash a new car for three days, and then you're going to be miserable. And you're going to go back to him. And you're going to go, God, I'm sorry. I kind of put that in front of you there for a few minutes. To God be the glory. I don't want the rocks to take my place this morning. The sun is shining this morning. On us. S-O-N. The cross. To be continued. Jay's here. But Dave's coming on Sunday. <laughs> the resurrection. To be continued. And then to be continued again. He's coming back. He's coming back. That sky's going to roll back like a scroll. You're going to see the Lamb of God alive and fulfilling everything that he promised. Let's stand for a moment. Would you close your eyes with me? Hallelujah. Anybody glad for the cross this morning? Forgiven, loved, place where the blood was shed and it never loses its power. Come on, friends. If, if you're not living life to the full, it might be because you've not picked up the cross. When Paul said, I'll boast in nothing but it, it wasn't a nice thing. It wasn't an emblem around a neck. It wasn't just something he was doing. No, he was saying, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to, and Jesus said, did he not? 
Anybody who wants to come after me must pick up his cross and follow me. In other words, the road to death to self produces a road to the resurrection. Hallelujah. What a victory. What a victory. You have power over the enemy. Don't let him walk in and out your life this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, maybe you've been playing games at the cross or maybe you don't fully know it, but this morning you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender them all. I want to follow his teachings, follow his ways. I want no compromise. I'm willing to come to the cross afresh this morning. Would you lift your hand right now? Just lift it. God bless you. God bless you guys. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ? And you say, I'd like, I'd, I've got fears. I've got anxieties. I need forgiven. Would you lift your hand right now and say, I want to give my life to Jesus? God bless you. Anybody else? Let's pray then. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the cross. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for the victory of the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that life. Thank you for giving us your life. Thank you for giving us your son, Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, he is our source of life. He is everything to us, Lord. Lord, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved, Lord, it's a glorious place to stare at and look at. And we want to thank you this morning, Lord, for all you've done for us. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you for access to the Father. Thank you for redemption. Thank you, most of all, that we are reconciled again to the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And amen. amen. Give them praise. Amen.